Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is Mike Dragolis. Mike was a fellow CrossFit gym owner for years, and now he owns an active therapy clinic in Dover, Delaware. Mike is a master of his craft in the way that he understands the anatomy of the body and the way that he can apply techniques such as active release therapy to help restore tissue health. Mike and I dive into everything from what he has done in his, throughout his fitness career and what he appreciates the most about the things that his body's able to do now in his life and the different ways that he is able to test that through things like golf or rock climbing. We talk about the current fitness industry, what's going well, what's not going well, and what are some commonalities that we see between both his patients and my clientele that we believe are some great areas that we can focus on to help bring better health, and just general awareness of proper fitness for the average person. This was an amazing conversation. Um, This one lasted well over an hour, and we dove into some really, really good topics and definitely went off in directions that I didn't expect the conversation to go, but that's the beauty of a podcast. So I hope you enjoy this. Mike G, welcome to the show. What's up, Derek? <laughs> Dude, so funny story. We we almost totally passed each other going to each other's places today because we had a miscommunication over where we were going to do the <laughs> podcast. So I am very, very happy that I was I reached out to you in time to figure out I didn't have to drive all the way to Dover. I, I've never made a phone call on Instagram before, by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we, I was... I'm, I'm driving up here and I'm like, I'm, I'm already dropped my daughter off at school and I'm like, I'm already running late. This guy's going to hate me. I'm, I'm going to be like 15, 20 minutes late, which if you ask my wife is typical, but, uh, anyhow. So, and I'm like, let me just check just to be sure. And I check Instagram messaging and you're like, yo, you're in Dover, right? I'm going to be there about 10. I'm like, no, I'm on my way. I'm, you know, and I'm a third of the way up. So I thank, thank goodness I caught you. Oh yeah. We, we locked out on that one, but, uh, well, Hey, it's super, super exciting to have you. Um, and just to kind of like, uh, set this up for the audience. Like you and I had met way back in the day when, when we first, you know, opened in the area. And I think, you know, you were coming down to hard bat for like some different team competitions and those sort of things. Um, and that was back when you, you owned uh, CrossFit sweat angel. Um, and then I went to you as well as my wife and a lot of our members here for the purpose of some ART work um, and just body work in general when people are feeling beat up or just needed to um, focus on their tissue health a little bit. So there's a lot of really good stuff that I feel like we're going to be able to dive in on today um, regarding tissue health for the average person and athletes and everything in between. Right on. Let's rock and roll. Let's do it. Um, So give the audience a little bit of an idea of your background, um, how you got into all the work that you did um, or or all the work that you do. yeah. So yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of a funny story because um, you know I'm <laughs> I, I'm one of the older people in my area in this profession. I'll, I'll be 45 this month, and uh, so my uh, I was telling you earlier that my views have really evolved over over time. But when I first started, um, you know, I'm not going to give you the whole the whole the whole picture. But I played uh, baseball in high school, and there was a benchathon. And you got ten cents a pound for however many uh, you know pounds you benched, and people would sort of like sponsor you for that. And I remember I benched two oh five, and I was stoked. I got over two hundred pounds, so I you know I made like you do the math. I think it's two dollars per person. Yeah. Anyways, but uh, 
So, and I, I was hooked from that. So, you know, push-ups and things like that. And, uh, and then I, uh, started doing bench every day at the base gym. I'm a, I'm an air, I'm an air force, um, uh, brat or a military brat. And, uh, and I would lift and I would, you know, I would do things completely wrong and, uh, you know, deadlifting three or four times a week, you know, how good that is for your back. <laughs> and yeah, I was deadlifting on the Smith machine, I think too. So oh, even, even <laughs> yeah. better. Oh yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I was killing it, you know, yeah. 17 years old. Consistently bad position. Oh yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> it was a little bit of an angle. So that helps. Right. <laughs> so, um, anyhow, and, uh, and I just kind of fell in love with like the weights. Um, I was going to uh, school at the University of Delaware, and uh, and I ran into a guy that worked at the um, the field house, and he had a he worked at Burke's gym in uh, Dover, Delaware, and this gym was the gym if you wanted to be a meathead, man. They're all bodybuilders, and you know. So I went to a bodybuilding show of a with a um, with a, a classmate who had a, we had a common friend we work with this older guy, and I saw his bodybuilding show, and I was like bro, I can do this, you know, and little did I know how tough it would be. So I got a job at uh, Burke's gym, just working the front desk. Just, I would drive down from Newark to work at this gym just to sort of be around these people. And I remember squatting with these guys and they wouldn't let me put like anything like smaller than a 25 on the bar. They call them Christmas tree ornaments. And, uh, and it was a sort of trial by fire. And I learned a lot at, you know, as in my late teens about lifting and I just fell in love with it a lot. And, um, uh, and that kind of led me to some gyms and some, uh, and then uh, ultimately into um, active released uh, therapy, which is uh, which is sort of a result of me um, doing some stupid things at a younger age, and I needed it, so I was really inspired when it was uh, done to me uh, to kind of get over a back injury, and I was like, dude, I got to learn how to do this. So, um, and that's when I uh, went back to school. So yeah, so. Um what exactly did you go back to school for? And uh, did you know exactly what it was that you wanted to do uh, with that, you know, with that knowledge and that certification and degree? Or was it something that kind of evolved over time? Uh, no, <laughs> great question. No clue exactly what I wanted to do. But I got to give a shout out to uh, my boys, Dr. Adam Aday. He's in um, Delaware Back Pain and Sports Rehab in, uh, in Dover, Delaware. I uh, hurt my back during a um, uh, training for a CrossFit uh, sectionals at the time. Uh, I was in my, heck, I don't even remember how old I was in my late twenties. And, uh, and I was doing a front squat and I don't know, it was, it wasn't, I was warming up, you know, it was like 200 pounds. It it wasn't even that much. And I was shaped like an S for like two weeks. I never went to a chiropractor before. I was like, this is, I got to find one, but I didn't really trust them. And, uh, I kind of looked around. I found one that had a USA uh, weightlifting certification. He used to train athletes in Bradenton, Florida. So he was he he was a coach by trade, and then he went to chiropractic school. Nevertheless, went to him, and he was the first person that I went to. He was like, hey, dude, let me straighten you out a little bit. He used active release techniques on me and, uh, and some chiropractic stuff, but the, the soft tissue was really impactful. Like he even did some Graston work, but he was like, hey, I want you to squat next week with just low bar back squat. And I want you to do uh Romanian deadlifts with like, like, you know, like a 10 pound kettlebell. And I want you to do those on the same day. And I was just like, wow, what kind of advice would you normally get from a doctor or, or a physician or anybody in that field? Um, you know, when your back is that screwed up that they would just tell you just to rest. So he kept doing the soft tissue work on me. And I, I gotta tell you within like a month, I was back to, you know, maybe like 50% capacity, you know? And, uh, I just really, uh, I was really impressed with just what, 
you know, what this soft tissue, you know, t- you know, system, you know, afforded me to be able to do, you know, and I, w- I didn't think I'd ever be able to squat again. And, uh, and so I decided what's the fastest way I, I could learn how to do this. And, uh, I was like, do I become a chiropractor? Do you know, do you become a, do I become an MD, osteopath, athletic trainer? And, uh, if you, um, if you get a uh, license to do, perform soft tissue work on people or basically put your hands on, you carry malpractice insurance, uh, in the state of Delaware, uh, a licensed massage therapist was the way to go. So I went to LMT school and, uh, it took me a little under two years. Uh, you have to do so many massages the last, I think it's like 50 and you got to ask your friends to come in. It's so weird. Like, and like, yeah, I'm like, there, can you come in? And, uh, and you got to pay too. It's weird. Like you, I, you got to come and help me out. And you got to pay like $25 for this massage. I don't get any of it. Right. <laughs> so well, hey, that's still not a bad gig. It wasn't bad, but it's weird. You're in this room with just these curtains. and There's like 10 other people getting massages. So, um, but and nevertheless, uh, I was appreciative to be able to do that. And then Immediately, once I got my um, my uh, my conditional certification and uh, licensure to do that, I went right to active release technique training, and um, and I haven't looked back. And that was probably about uh, say twelve years ago. Okay. Yeah. So and uh, so I've been an ART provider ever since. And um, can you uh, explain the kind of some of the the, the nuance between behind uh, ART versus just your your general um like massage? Yeah, I think that's, it's probably the toughest part of my job when people come to me, they're like, well, why is this going to work? And, and, um, you know, like a general massage isn't. So with active release technique, um, it's kind of cool because there's a protocol or a maneuver or a a treatment, if you must, for every uh, major muscle, tendon, ligament, and nerve in the body. So, uh, and the idea behind it is that we're breaking up, uh, scar tissue or aberrations to the tissue uh, of a particular muscle group. And we're using, we're doing that um, by locating it, palpating, feeling around. And then we uh, will actually shorten and lengthen the structure, the muscle. And, uh, and we'll feel and apply tension and depth, not just pushing all the time, but there's lines of drive that you sort of have to understand where the muscles and what direction they're pulling. And some Sometimes muscles change the direction they're pulling as, you know, joints change. So there's a lot of training that comes with it. But anyhow, we're breaking up the scar tissue so that the muscle can function properly. Um, I use the analogy, uh, imagine like you were painting a wall with a paintbrush and you just threw the brush on the ground and what would it be like the next day? Hard and useless. Oh, correct. <laughs> yeah, so what I'm doing is I'm flicking the paint off the bristles so I can restore the bristles to be like a new brush. And imagine if two paintbrushes were you're using and we laid them on the ground together they would be hard and stuck together and stuck together so think of those as adjacent muscles and if one pulls north and south one goes east and west we got to get them separated so you find the seam between the two and and when and then you put nerves and uh other vascular structures through those kind of meat tunnels if you must there's a lot of like gnarly stuff that can happen and i don't think it's 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 really tough for people because they don't, sometimes they don't know where to go you know what i mean and and, and i really um I'm really blessed to be able to help people when they they feel like they have no other options to sort of go, hey, let's just try some of this, and maybe this can make your back pain go away or your arms stop tingling, or you know, you can turn your head to the left to pull out in traffic that you never used to be able to do. You know, yeah, I was going to ask, like you, you and I off mic talked about how you love working with the general population, and as do I, for that matter. Um, what are some of the more common problems that you see on a recurring basis? 
Oh, geez, that's a good question too. Uh, aside, and you probably see it too here in the gym. Is aside from low back pain, which um, which is uh, in this country is uh, is the number one musculoskeletal disorder that we have in this country is, is lower back pain, um, and uh, it's probably number one. Number two would be um, shoulder issues. I see a lot of issues. The shoulder is an interesting joint because it has all these different ranges that can move in the ball right. and socket joint. You've, uh, you've got 16 muscles that attach to your shoulder blade in itself, you know, freedom comes with responsibility. Right? <laughs> you got it, man. So, uh, and then you got these, um, then you got these maniacs, you know what I mean? You probably have some in your gym and they're just, and they're trying to, you know, heave things overhead or they're trying to maybe, um, uh, they're, they're sort of out racing, uh, their tissues ability to be resilient sometimes. So we have to sort of, you know, because you can injure a muscle in, 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 in like two different ways. So you can do it um, by something traumatic. You could have like, you know, you could snatch a barbell in, in uh, your case here. You could be in a car accident. Uh, you could trip and fall and put your hand out. So you could injure like your rotator cuff in that manner. Or you can have like overuse injury where scar tissue and um, think of it as glue like on the muscles starts to lay down because we're overusing a muscle too much, say, in small repetition. If I work in a factory um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so these are the ways that, uh, that these injuries will present and, um, and they've got like knees and wrists and there's a plantar fasciitis. I get that a lot too. So, yeah, now I know, um, one of the battles I'm sure you face, and this is going to be pretty congruent with all the physical therapists that we talk to. And then as well as, you know, the coaches that we have in here, which is, you know, the, the, the ART work is amazing, right? And I've experienced the benefits of it. But part of the struggle is being able to then take that individual and prescribe them exercises and things that they need to do in order to maintain the new status of the tissue health that they just earned, right? So it's like, what can you do or what can you convince the client to do outside of the work that you do with them? And I know that you coming from a gym background and somebody that, you know, is a total fitness nerd, you, I'm sure, try to instill these things in your clients. Like, how how well perceived do you think that those messages are? <laughs> it's. Uh, I was described once as a frustrated teacher uh, because uh, <laughs> it, because I I want so so badly for the patients that I see to be able to be autonomous and be able to use you know their own resources to sort of control or build or create that resilience in the tissue that they're you know that that's been injured on their own, not just need me all the time. So the hardest thing to do is to teach somebody why it's important that they do, you know, uh, these stretches or lifts or, um, or not run 15 miles every Sunday or, you know, so um, it's pretty tough uh, to, but not impossible. So I, what I, what I tell people mostly is that I want them to, to get really good at like one thing every day during the week, 10 times a day, I want you to put your leg up on your second step and I want you to uh, pull the toes back and, and I want you to, you know, floss your sciatic nerve by, you know, arching backwards with your back and then bending the knee and rounding forward. So I, I just want you to do this every day for a week, as many times a day, up to 10 times. And then I'll see you next week and let's see how it feels. So I try not to throw too much at them. Um, and, in my small office, we were talking about this. There's only I'm, I'm limited by a you know 
you know, what I could do. I can't have them pull a tire or a sled in my office, sure. but cer- certainly there's, there's some other options that, um, that, you know, that I can teach them at least, you know, through, uh, you know, YouTube or any social media links that I can sort of hand out to them that maybe of somebody I respect that could like yourself that could <laughs> <laughs> caught some of your uh, videos on, uh, on Instagram the other day showing, um, I think it was, a. Uh, how to do uh, like a hip extension on the GHD uh, or yeah, 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 the bar on back, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of great resources out there. There's a lot of crap too, by the way. Of but, course. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's in part, that's a huge part of the problem, right? Yeah. Which is why, you know, for, for us and I'm sure for you, like we try to create these one-stop shops or be able to offload people to, to others. Like for instance, if someone needs ART work, like you're the guy I'm going to send them to, um, to kind of help keep people focused and, and not so distracted. I think that, you know, there's some positive that positives that have come about by so many people promoting fitness and health online. Like I think that it is kind of changing the culture for the better in, in a lot of ways, but in other ways it has been nothing but a distraction, right? Which is like, you don't need to be doing that right now. You need to be doing this. I realize that it's not as sexy or fun to do the thing that I want you to do, but guess what? Like it's going to get you better. Just trust me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're right, and and it's harder and harder to find the really good coaches or information, you know, sifting through all the junk that's out there. Jeez, man, if there's another dude with his shirt off just showing me the the, the hundredth variation of how to do a a push up with a clap in between or the medicine ball on his back or flicking it through his leg, I I don't know. And I think the hardest part, I don't think I would have to see people in my office as much if they learned how what an appropriate amount of movement and daily um, kind of wellness practice they could was appropriate or, or was the right dosage for them. Uh, But there's too much out there, man. Like uh, I think if um, you know, if, if you could really, um, I don't think there's enough emphasis put on it in, in this, in in our society as, as a whole, Uh, it's put on so many other things like making money, uh, who you're voting for, all these things. But people forget that, you know, if you're not moving well, you're not feeling well, you're not going to be your best for any of the other stuff during the day. Anyhow. So I, I, I really think a daily movement practice from a, uh, like a, a great coach like yourself would, um, would be so beneficial for people, but I, it's really hard to help them sift through it sometimes. So, Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at it like a continuum and on one side you have, um, you know, you have excessive movement, right? Or, and then on the other end you have limitation of movement, right? Right. On that continuum, there's kind of a sweet spot. And I think that it falls somewhere in the realm of minimum effective dose, right? It's how do we do, how do we provide you with the minimum effective dose necessary to see the results that you want to see over a long span of time? And, um, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about off mic and I I talk about with my coaches all the time is that there's kind of this no man's land that a lot of people fall into, which is like they either do too little to see results and get frustrated and then do end up doing nothing, right? They fall on the very low side of the continuum or they're doing more than they need to in order to maintain their physical health and just continue to be a well-moving, you know, um, like maintain the quality of movement within their lifestyle and they but they yet aren't doing enough to reach these like super high end goals that they want. As far as like, I want a six pack, like I want to have 4% body fat. And it's like, you, they don't see the, the massive lifestyle changes and trade-offs associated with that sort of an extreme goal. So what they do is they, they, they train harder than they need to. So, but they're not doing those other lifestyle things to actually reach that, that final, you know, end zone that they want. So now they, it comes away in the form of, 
uh, tissue damage and joint irritation and inflammation markers. And it's like now all of a sudden it's like you're getting all the negatives, <laughs> right, without any of the positives. So you end up then getting deterred and, you know, um, and not wanting to, to work out that hard. And you just like now all of a sudden fall off the wagon again, you know. So I feel like the more we can kind of get people into that sweet spot, educate them to to help get them there, the more people will see the benefit in the long term uh, rather than what can I achieve in the next three months, six months. And I, uh, I I couldn't agree with that more. There's, I went through the uh, OPEC CCP uh, certification a few years ago, and uh, I was already it validated a lot of the things I was already feeling. And um, one of the things that they stress a lot during um, in, in that certification, I recommend it to anybody who's looking to become a coach and doesn't know where to start. I think it's um, it's about a four to six month program. It's self paced, and there's some Zoom stuff. I I don't get paid by them at all, but I really enjoyed um, what they what they put as the framework was there. There was uh, eight lifestyle guidelines that you that you had to go by in order to um, you know to sort of really be successful in 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 life and have longevity um, and uh, before you start you know you know pounding your body to death in the gym is that you should be able to you know get sunlight first thing in the morning uh, make sure you're getting hydrating make sure you're getting sleep sleep is probably the number one thing that I really um, I can't emphasize enough to the people that I work with with soft tissue, uh, with like MSDs, which are just musculoskeletal disorders, or uh, just people who are generally deconditioned is before you start doing, you know, if it's CrossFit, Barry's Boot Camp, Orange Theory, personal training, whatever you do, let's get seven to nine hours of sleep. Let's get two hours of sleep before midnight. Two hours, the, the hour, every hour of sleep you get before midnight, it's like two hours. I think uh, Coach Michael Band said that. I yep. love it. Yeah. And uh, so – when you can get your sleep in order and you can kind of sleep with the moon and rise with the sun, and, get, and we talked about getting sunlight first thing in the morning, maybe even grounding your feet on like the grass, having it actually, uh, you know, um, hit your eyes and um, and have your brain respond to that. You you line up your circadian rhythms where you get the little cortisol bump in the morning, and then at nighttime, the melatonin bump kind of comes when it should because you got sunlight in the morning and you slept well. And instead, we seem to have people that maybe wake up in the morning, depending on what, you know, could be really early before the sun comes up, and they get right into the shower, and they go into the car, and they go into their office, and they're not getting Coffee immediately. Coffee immediately, right? Um, so, and then uh, they get home, and they're just, they're wired but tired. So, they're, they got the, they're getting this late cortisol bumped, and they're, they're, you know, the body temperature is still high, while the melatonin still kind of, you know, is riding high, too, and they can't fall asleep, but they know they're tired. And that's a cycle, man. It's a hard cycle. It is. And, and one of the things that we try to drive home with our members is we always speak of these things that you just talked about as investments into yourself. Right. Um, because, you know, people will have money come directly out of their paycheck to go into their traditional or Roth IRA or a 401k, but yet they won't wake up and go outside and get five to 10 minutes of sunlight or wait an hour and a half to have their coffee or spend time, you know, d- developing all the proprioceptive benefits of like being barefoot outside. And it's like while these things seem small and stupid, they can pound on themselves over time. But they'll go and do Murph on Memorial Day, and, and be, <laughs> right? You know, and they'd be yeah. like, and they're like, oh, I, I did it, you know. And I'm like, dude, that's great that you did that. But if you did what you just described, I mean, it would be so much more effective, and you'd feel better doing it. By the yeah, way, yeah. And I think, I guess, the important take home there would be that it's more about the things that you do day to day than it is about the things that you do that are extreme every once in a while. Mm-hmm. One, I, I, I like a lot of analogies. If you if you meet anyone that works with me, uh, it's I tell people I, I go well, you know, 
would you brush your teeth two to three times a day for like three minutes or would you just brush them once a week for like an hour? You know, what would work, <laughs> you know, what would work better for your, for your, you know, for your oral health? And people are like, oh, that makes sense. I'm like, well, why would you just work out really, really hard like two or three days a week and then just not sleep well, not eat well? I get, and I get it. Every, you know, everyone's human. You can, you know, you eat and drink whatever you feel is appropriate for your lifestyle, but you also have to understand the impact that it has on your health. And, um, you know, and uh, it's it's even more real to me, you know, 45 instead of 35 and then 25. And I'm not just talking about body composition. I'm talking about just the way I feel day to day. Absolutely. And it's it's really um, it's really apparent to me as, as you get a little bit older. So, well, it's funny because like we always talk about when we're when we're talking food and dietary habits, one of the things that I think has become very, very much so the focus in the last few years, and Precision Nutrition has done a good job of kind of bringing this to the forefront of everyone's attention, which is being able to pay attention to things like fullness and hunger cues. And I think that it's really important because now we're getting more into like the intrinsic benefits of being able to determine, better determine whether you want to eat because you're dehydrated or you want to eat because you're actually hungry or you want to eat because you're stressed or you, you want to eat because you're bored. And I think the same is true for fitness in that the more you can start paying attention to how did I feel going into the workout? How did I feel leaving the workout? How did I feel when I went to bed? How did I feel when I woke up? It now starts to translate into this whole kind of like holistic picture rather than just... I did a workout and I felt good because it was really hard, right? But yeah. then, but 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 I am not paying attention to the fact that like my cortisol levels are jacked up. I'm tired all the time. Like my my body hurts, my joints hurt. I feel like I'm slow moving the next day. So like we always tell our members that like 80% of the time that you come here, we want you to feel better when you leave than when you came in. We don't want you to feel like you just got pounded into the ground because we put you through six lactic tolerance workouts in a row. Well, and, and yeah, and if you think about it, there's no um, long-term research on uh, the the effect of uh, lactate on your entire um, soft tissue system or in, in, your, uh, in your organs. So if you're bathing yourself in lactate, you know, three or four times a week, you know, what's that going to be like downstream, like when you're a little bit older, when you're 50, 60 years old, are you going to have cognition issues? Are you going to have shorter long-term memory, you know, um, issues? I mean, all those things become important, you know, uh, you know, when you're young and dumb and just, you know, full of energy, you don't think about that. We've all been there. But as you start to, if I could impart any wisdom on anybody, uh, just, you know, who's in their twenties or early thirties now, you know, I'm, I'm not super old, but I've, I've done a lot. I've been, you know, at training and for over, for almost 30 years. So, um, is that, Hey, it, be more sustainable. You should you should have some hard workouts, but it's probably less than you think you need. So yeah, probably. And I think we can def- redefine what a hard workout looks right. like. Right. Right. That's actually a really good point. It doesn't need to look like crappy movement, right? And like all speed and intensity and no control. You know, like you can make a workout. You for, so for instance, like mechanical failure. Basically, the the body essentially hitting the stop button on you being able to perform reps looks a lot different if you're doing dumbbell press with a two second eccentric um, versus thrusters with 75 pounds, <laughs> yes. right? Like those, t- I, just anyone that out, that's out there that, that understands what I'm talking about here, like can get a visual of those two people and go person a with a dumbbell press, it can move to a point of mechanical failure and still have demonstrated control through it. Right. That's hard for that person. Mm -hmm. And the person that does thrusters until they want to vomit probably looked really terrible for the last 
eight reps, you know, and like that we're looking at two totally different pictures here that have two totally different outcomes. And I think the more we can start having open conversations around what a hard workout should look like and how it should feel, it, it starts to kind of get people a little bit clearer picture as to the things that they don't or shouldn't be doing in the gym on a highly frequent basis. Yeah. And I would, I would even ask them, I go a step further, even I would, I would ask them, why are you here? What are your, what are your priorities in life? And we talked a little bit about this and the priorities are, Hey, I want to be, you know, I want to be a grandparent someday. I don't want to, I want to be on this earth as long as possible. I want to be able to jump on the trampoline with my kids when they get home from school and, or I get home from work. I want to, uh, you know, I don't want to be 50 pounds overweight. I want to sleep better. I don't, you know, I don't, my heart disease runs in my face. If you ask what, you know, this person's priorities are, but they say, I want to do 75 pound thrusters, you know, and, and vomit on the floor. I'm gonna go, well, how does that serve your highest priorities? How does that help you? And a lot of people are like, well, cause I'm hard and that's, you know, I, I want to be hard and tough. And, and I think that's, that's admirable. That that's a lot of mental grit, but if you really extrapolate that out in, like down the road, you're like, well, is that really making you that better parent? Is it really helping your heart? Is it, is it really um, helping your body composition? And if you really kind of unpack that, you, you might begin to learn that, Hey, I need to lift or re do resistance training several times a week, a bunch of different things, try new sports, play new, play new activities. And I need to go long distances, sustainable aerobic work. And then occasionally I'm going to step on the gas a couple times a month. And if you really looked at it, you would understand that, that keeps you doing this later into your life. And if you talk, and one of the things I really like is if you've, uh, you probably follow uh, Dr. Peter, Peter Atia. Oh, I love him. Have I love you, him. Have you yeah. heard everyone, everyone on here is going to be yeah. like, oh, Derek's going to talk uh, no, about Peter Atia I, I love again. him too, but he's, he's great. His health span versus lifespan. I uh, love it. Th man, that is, uh, I mean, when you see like a, just a really educated, smart person, it makes you feel like you're like, man, I'm, what am I doing here? But this guy, he made this health span versus lifespan continuum. And I, and I recommend anyone listening is if you just, you know, I'm sure Derek's already told you a million times, it sounds like, but uh, it's just, it's the, the last, he states that the last, you know, between 70 and 80 years old, the, the last marginal de decade. Yeah. The marginal yeah. decade where your where uh, it's your morbidity is, is, is eminent. And it's so you're basically just being kept alive for that, that last 10 years of your life because of the decisions you've made earlier in life or up into that point. When he talks about his health span, it's a he compresses that decade down to you know he'd love to see it to be as fast as possible because you're creating more um, health span above the lifespan curve and if it's hard to kind of visualize with the podcast here but if you guys get a chance to, if anyone listening it's yeah definitely take a look yeah it's a, it's sort of eye opening and he puts a lot of components here I don't mind <laughs> I'm I'm gonna geek out on Peter Tia for a second too no totally but he Let's puts do it. so he you know there's four components that he puts into this health span versus lifespan and one is uh is um is the mind. So that there's two important ones that are physical and he puts um, executive function as being a number one, uh, one of the number, number one, number one components in there, ability to make, you know, decisions uh, rationally. Um, number two is uh, short term um, memory. And number three is uh, long term uh, memory. And uh, so those things, and I've all the th those three things he'll describe is that executive function is such a high priority to have your mind and cognition about you, you know. Um, so when you're thinking about how your choices throughout life, you know what's going to serve that because if you don't have your mind, it's very, very, very hard to do anything else, right? Sure. And then the body he talks about is having number one muscle mass, and you know, and we can debate all day how much muscle mass is the appropriate amount. Number two is having functionality within that muscle mass in your skeleton, and number three uh, was having uh, mobility within that um, 
within that uh, the, within your body. So you know, you put those three together. Those are sort of the levers of the body. We have the mind, the body, and then he talks about uh, two lesser important ones, which are um, which are uh, dealing with stressors, and uh, and the final one. Um, you know, you know, if you're stuck in traffic and how that's affecting your body, you're not sleeping well. And the final one, Derek, that I really love and uh, is purpose. Yeah. Is, um, and if it, it, you really can't measure it too much, but if you, you know, I know you're going to be a new uh, father here. Congratulations. And uh, you got married not too long ago. I think that's awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. But, you know, when that, when that baby's born, baby Batman, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> what your purpose is going to be, the way you think of it, it's going to be so different. I've, I've got three kids myself, so it's, it's really, it, it just changes. And, um, you know, and I, you know, I, uh, I'm a Christian and I, uh, I believe in, in, in God's purpose for us. And, um, and, uh, when that child's born, it's just, everything just changes. And I'm so excited for you to be able to experience. No, that. I very so. much appreciate it. Well, yeah. Uh, to just piggyback on that a little bit. I, um, I don't know if you ever read the book, uh, man search for meaning by uh, Victor, Victor Frankel. Frankel. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic book. But he basically came along and said, I think it was, he was saying Freud was wrong. Basically our, our objective in life isn't to pleasure seek it's to find meaning. Correct. But that was like basically the whole, the whole purpose of that book. And I think, Peter Tia is basically kind of taking that and saying that this this is ultimately what kind of gives people drive. I mean, there's a lot of research that's been coming out recently that shows that loneliness is worse for you in terms of your lifespan than smoking. Right. I think I've heard that before. Which yeah. is mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely mind-blowing. Um, but, yeah, no, I love all the stuff Peter Tia does. And he recently just put something out. And I, I had actually quoted this and put it on my Instagram because I loved it so much. But he basically said – you cannot be over muscled going into your ninth decade or eighth decade. Like basically like right. you, there is no 80 or 90 year old walking around going like, I wish I wasn't this strong or I wish I didn't have this <laughs> right. much muscle, you know? And like we were saying earlier how people lack oftentimes like lack the foresight, like as humans, you know, people didn't, you know, I hate always having to go evolutionary, uh, you know, perspective, but it does really help us kind of like couch the conversation. But like, People didn't live super long 1,500 years ago because of disease and other things. So their need to have greater foresight wasn't necessary. So our right. brains are wired in a way to focus more on the here and now and the things that are directly in front of us that present either you know risk, reward, or anything in between. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like we're at a place now where – you have to think about saving for retirement when you're 25. And the most optimal time to do it is when you're 25. Just like the most optimal time to think about your long-term health is that 25, 35, 45 range. And Peter T always says, like, if you want to be the all-star 80-year-old, you can't be the average 50-year-old. And I drive that point home as much as possible with clients because we have people that come in here that can't jump, can't squat, can't press, and they're 36. And you're like, this has to become an unacceptable thing in your life and fitness needs to become a non-negotiable, right? Like if you genuinely want, and to, you know, to back your point up about like why you're doing this in the first place, if you genuinely think about your purpose behind your fitness and you, you really dive intrinsically, you'll find that there are greater reasons beyond I want to lose weight, I want to look a certain way in a bathing suit that should be your ultimate internal drive pushing you to be a better version of yourself in and outside of the gym. Yeah. Well, it's to glorify the gifts that God gave you. If you have, you have this, 
amazing ability, in my opinion, to communicate with people. I mean, this is the longest you and I have ever spoken together, and I'm like, I could, I could jam with you all day, man. I think that's that's your gift, and you're imparting that on all your members, and now with this podcast, hopefully your your net becomes even wider. And that's the hope. And, yeah, dude, and you're easy to listen to. So I and that's I think we talked about this earlier, is that you can, you know, in, in, in our profession, one-on-one or in a group, I said we can only really help – you know, a hundred people in your life, like really like freaking help them, you know, um, you know, with your reach and, and, and your talent to do this, hopefully that number is even greater, you know, where you can inspire people to, you know, to do some of the things that you're, um, that you're, uh, that you, that, you know, that you're, uh, you're, uh, philosophizing over. So is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we'll start after the podcast. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the, the motto of the podcast, right? Our mantra is we want to raise the standard, uh, the, for, you know, fitness, health, and life for the average person. Because mm-hmm. I feel like too many people don't set the bar high enough for themselves. And uh, it's I, I get really sad because when I see somebody that has already given up so many physical freedoms at such an early age, I, I've done this long enough to see into people's futures, right? Like, And that's the benefit of doing something for a really long time is like you gain the perspective of watching somebody not take care of themselves for 10 years or take care of themselves for 10 years and seeing – the compounding effects that those have that has had on mm-hmm. their life, their freedoms and everything in between. And like, I just want, I'm hoping that I can be the vehicle that gets people to, you know, see, not just see the benefits, but to, to start to believe in themselves, right. And believe that this doesn't have to be, their life doesn't have to be limited by their physical limitations. Um, so one of the things we always try to preach is that as important as it is that you're inside of the gym, Right. I also want you to do things outside of the gym. And the reason being is that if you're going on hikes with your kids or you're learning how to surf, like, like, you know, you said mm-hmm. you do all the time. Um, these things are a, a, a testament to your physical freedom. And the more that you do them, the more you prove to yourself why it's important that you stay in shape in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. So in other words, if you come into the gym and you're like a gym hero, but then all you do outside of here is go home, sit on the couch and, mm-hmm. and not do anything physical. It's like, you don't have, there's no reward to the gym anymore. So guess what happens when other things come up in your life? You, it's easier to write off the gym because it's not benefiting you in your quality of life outside of the gym. Whereas if your life is rich with physical activity outside of the gym, now you have a life worth preserving. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree completely. It's, I think deep down when people are, see, you know, they're searching out different like physical endeavors and they don't know you know, why they're picking the gym or surfing or, you know, uh, I think I might even go uh, bouldering after this down at the rock oh, gym. Nice, so, yeah. Nice. So, but those sorts of things, I think, in, and if I'm speaking and I can be honest here, I, I'm looking for freedom is what I'm really looking for. Freedom in my body, freedom in my mind. Um, not so much financially. I'm just, I'm looking for freedom and that's, and maybe I searched for that in the wrong way before by getting really strong for my size, for instance, and I'm not a real big guy at all, but or or competing in uh, weightlifting or CrossFit. And uh, but that wasn't the freedom that I that I that me as a person truly really wanted. I, I thought I wanted that because that was my identity back then. But but now I just feel uh you know, I want to be able to get on the floor with my seven-year-old daughter who does gymnastics. I want to spot her and not have to put my hand on my knee to get up. And and that's fine now. But, you know, if she's doing this when she's a teenager, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, I still want to be able to do it. So are squats going to help me? Maybe. Is, you know, uh, climbing rocks going to help me? Maybe. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep an open mind, and I want to, I want to use the most amount of tools available to me in the most sustainable way 
to acquire the most freedom I can as late in life as possible. So Yeah, and it and, sounds like you have a really good pulse check also on a regular basis of being able to do an honest review over your programming and the way that it's affecting your life, right? Mm-hmm. So for instance, like if something happens to be coming up with your hip, you're not just going to ignore it <laughs> and push forward, right? And look, we've all been through this. I was just talking to one of my coaches before you got here and I, she's, she's going through like a hypertrophy phase and like being very experimentative with her exercise science kind of um, programming at the moment, um, which is good and great. Like she just finished school. She's young. And I, I said to her, I was like, listen, like this is the time to kind of like learn and fail and learn and fail and experiment. Right. And I, I joked that like when I was in my early twenties, like there would be squat sessions where I'd be like, well, my knee might, sh- my patella might shoot across the floor, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. Like we're moving weight today, you know? And I'm like, I wouldn't even dream of doing that now. Um, so I think that in part it's because you do recognize like we've both had major setbacks in terms of physical injuries and like we know how hard it can be to climb back from that and we know the defeat and the feeling of like like what did I do am I never going to be able to squat or deadlift or do anything like that again but I think there's also there's the mental shift where it's like you just genuinely start to appreciate like for instance like I love working out so much the worst thing that could possibly happen to me right now is that I get hurt and can't work out. Right. Right. It's, it doesn't matter how much I squat. It doesn't matter how much I bench. It doesn't matter how much I deadlift. Literally the only thing that I care about right now is like I can't go mountain biking or I can't play golf and walk 18 holes or I can't go on a hike with my wife and soon to be daughter. It's like those things would crush me right. emotionally, not, oh, I failed. I failed a 400 pound back. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, but then at the, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you're like, well, how much of that squatting do I have to do to be able to be the best I can at hiking and golfing and, you know, and, and being there for, you know, for you said daughter. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. We just found out like okay. two weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, oh, thanks. Daughters are the best, man. That's They're what sweet. I hear. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, everyone tells me that I'm just waiting because I'm like, oh, great. Like I'm going to have the one that's just like, like out of this world, like <laughs> loud and running around. But hey, I deserve it. I was, I was not the easiest child. No, it's going to happen, man. No, yeah. You're not getting away from that, but it's, I don't know. There, it's just a, it's just a sweetness that, that daughters have, especially when they're young. I'm excited. Uh, with, with, yeah. With their dad. I, I can't explain it, but you'll, you'll feel it here pretty soon. March, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we were just talking about like a little bit of like purpose and the reason we exercise, and that's different for everybody. I think if you really unpacked like you know your priorities in life, I think if you had an honest conversation with yourself and you talked to a professional like yourself, I think they would direct you in the in the right vein. I think a lot of people go, I have to get in shape, and they just pick the thing. Is it CrossFit? Is it bodybuilding? Is it Orange Theory? I, I keep saying the same words because there's there's a couple things out there. Or is it like a diet? You're like, oh, I'm going to pick this diet because I, I don't like the way I look. Is it keto? Is it vegan? Is it carnivore? And they're just trying – I think everything is personalized and individualized. And and and, um, and people – I don't understand – I don't think people understand that they have a choice in that, and that can change over time. I just think they pick the thing and they force themselves to do it. Like I'm going to train for this marathon. I'm going to and I'm going to run until my legs fall off because that's what gets me in shape, and, you know. And I go, well, what are your priorities? Do you want to be a really good runner? You're like, no, I just don't want to be fat. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of other ways to do that, and you can also save your joints, you know. And um, and that's a problem I see with a lot of people, and it's probably one of the hardest conversations I have to have. And, and they're long. I mean, we're talking years of conversations to sort of get people to stop being addicted to one style of exercise and find the the right formula or dosage or recipe that they need. And it's different for everybody. So it's really interesting because what we see a lot of is, is just how different 
people's goals are from day one to day like 365. Like when we have, we do goal reviews at every three to six months and then 12 months with the, 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 the members. Um, but what we, we find is that many times in the very beginning, their goals are just a representation of goals that they've adopted from somebody else or something that they read or something so good. that they heard. You're right. But at day 365, they're more well-defined. They, they now have more they've paid more attention to their fitness and they're able to make a more educated decision around the things that they actually want and the things that they actually don't want. Like, um, Jordan Peterson, one of the things he says is like, you can have anything that you, you want. You just have to actually want it, you know? And, And I don't think that many people know, whether they actually want the goals that they say that they want, you mm-hmm. know? So the person that says, I just want to lose weight or I just want to gain muscle. If that's been their message or goal for the last five to seven years, it's like, well, perhaps it's time to, to update your software. You know, right. like at this point it's like, perhaps it's time to take a little bit more of, um, you know, an objective and subjective look for that matter at these goals and really determine like, is this part of your why, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and as a coach, uh, in, in your gym and, um, and I, I still work with a couple different uh, uh, fitness clients too, is that I can't tell them what to do. And you know that too. You can't tell somebody what to eat and what some, how somebody should exercise. All you can help them do is strengthen their belief in a, in a different way, in a different idea, a different philosophy over time. So, And the only way you do that is by gaining trust with them when you're working with them, by showing them, hey, just drink. I know you drink uh, 40 ounces of water a day. Let's go with 50 today. And then next week it's sixty, and next week and if and if they can't do the simple things, I don't think you know doing an exercise class is you know is all that important if you're having trouble consuming enough water. So, but after a while they're like, wow, you know what, uh, man, I, I slept better or I wasn't as hungry during the day because I was hydrated, and you start to strengthen their belief. And then after a month or two of teaching them that. Um, then you don't have to tell them anymore. Guess what? And after a year, they do it on their own. After a year of that, they're drinking a gallon a day, and they're teaching other people to drink. So they're paying it forward. So when you strengthen someone's belief in this idea and you have a really like a knack for doing that where you make it feel like it's their idea or it's such an incremental jump, um, that to me is is the trick in communicating like wellness, fitness, longevity is like as a, as a, as a thought leader or as a local leader in that, in that field is, is just not – is just sort of nudging them without, without like imperceptive, imperceptibly, and where they don't perceive it, and they, right. and they realize, and they're like, man, I look back a month later, and uh, man, I feel a lot better, and I just made this small little change, increment by increment. Right, so, and I think you just highlighted the importance of getting your clients excited about incremental goals rather than constantly just being focused on the bigger picture. Right, you know, um, because people will say things like, you know, I want to lose weight, and fair enough, like. 62% of the population is, is overweight or obese like that for a lot of people, like that's proportionately accurate in terms of desires when people walk through our doors, but it's like, we need to get them excited about the incremental things they need to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And create somewhat of like a prove it system of demonstrate to me over the next two weeks that you can increase your water intake by, as you were saying, like 40 ounces a day. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you've proven that we'll update your goal. We'll make the next one a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And now people look back like I, I, I made a video about this a couple of weeks ago. And it's like one of the pieces that go that gets failed to mention when people say like it, the best way that fitness works is to create a lifestyle change. It's like a lifestyle change. Yes. But over a long enough period of time, it's right. not change your life over a seven day period. It's the area under the curve. That's what, that's what you're talking about. How long can you 
how long can you do this? Anyone can go hard and, and, and crash diet for a month and you could lose, you know, 30 pounds if you wanted to. But how do you keep that 30 off in, in a healthy way for until you're 80 years old? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, once again, a frustrated teacher, but, yeah. but everyone learns differently. And, uh, and I, you can't speak the same way to one person as you, as you can another. And it might not connect well with, with no, both, and, and, and not all weight loss is equivalent. You know, like yeah. you can, you can get COVID. And lose <laughs> yeah. twenty pounds in two weeks. We love to say that on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, watch it; it'll get censored. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like you can lose twenty pounds in two weeks from the flu. It doesn't mean that you're a healthier version of yourself when you come out of that. You know. And I think that's why we try not to make. Obviously, for certain populations and in certain instances, weight loss at, at all costs is the name of the game. You know, mm-hmm. if you come in here and. Um, you know, you're 50% body fat and, and obese. It's like, okay, sure. Like we really, really need to move the needle in the right direction there. But for a lot of people, it's like what they're looking for is recomposition. Mm-hmm. Right? They want to be able to see muscle and uh, lose some of their um, subcutaneous fat and mm-hmm. visceral fat for that matter. And um, on the flip side of that, they want their metabolism to be higher. Right. And, and it's like, we do that by the way of lifting weights, you know, and, and getting your eating in order and like getting your sleep in order and like getting your stress in order. There's so many other bigger fish to fry than like what you see on a scale when you step on it on a daily basis. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm it's, it's funny because little tips that I've learned along the way, something in terms of like uh, eating better and um, is, is to chew your food. So I don't think a lot of people even recognize the fact that just because you put it into your mouth and then you swallow it, that it's, uh, that it, it may or may not actually get absorbed by your body. So, um, so just, you know, masticating your food, chewing it, you know, and there's not a real number per se, a piece of dried chicken, you might have to chew it 50 times to match it up to a paste. <laughs> but you know, if you're having applesauce or a couple of blueberries, maybe it's 15 or 20 chews, but you're It has to make it to your stomach and your small intestine so your body can absorb the nutrients from the food. So those are tips that I would give somebody if I was working with them to be like, hey, listen, one meal throughout the day. I want you to kind of get – unplug your phone, sit with a a loved one or – and just sit there. And I want you to focus on chewing your food and putting your fork down between every single bite. And and you're like – and guess what? After about 15 or 20 minutes because you're still eating that darn piece of chicken – you're not going to be hungry anymore because you have not out outraced your, uh, your 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 sense of satiety. All right, and and guess what? You're not chugging water to digest it, so you're not going to drink five minutes before and five minutes after. You're not going to sort of you're going to let your body actually digest the food. So these are little tips, and that's once again strengthens your ability. And you do it one time a day or one time a week. You start with heck, and um, you know those are little things that that I think can move the needle, like you said. Uh, you know, and then people then. It seems to me many times they'll go back to, oh, that's too hard or it's too thoughtful. And like, I just got to do a hard workout. And that's, the, and that's the frustrating part sometimes of getting through to, to you know, fitness enthusiasts and people just looking to better their lives. And that's why I think the coach and, uh, and the client relationship is so important that it's a long-term sort of uh, unwritten agreement that we're going to work through this together. And I know you're going to have ups and downs, but I'm going to make you – believe through trust that these things are going to change you. And that's one of the hardest things to do as a coach, um, especially for a client that has never had a coach before. Like Mm -hmm. if their experience 
has been, you know, doing things on my own at the Y, then maybe learning something from, from a friend and then joining something like an orange theory where the goal was just heart rate and sweating. But I wasn't really outside of a, a class led instructor with a headphone set on, like nobody was checking in on me on an individual basis. Like it can be hard to, you know, entrust your fitness journey into one individual, but there's, if there's anything that I always will recommend to people, like if family or friends or anybody that doesn't live anywhere near me. I'm not trying to sell them anything. If, if I want to give them just like really heartfelt advice, it comes down to two main things. It's like get a coach mm-hmm. and get inside of a community that cares about you and, and represent the type of person you want to be. That's right. it. It's like, and, and that's, I think what like uh, CrossFit gyms and gyms where it's more of a prescriptive based model, that's the benefit that they have over all of, you know, the F45s, orange theories, the soul cycles and those sort of things is that a, it's prescriptive. It's things that are directly going to impact and influence you because they're tailored to you as an individual. And then on the flip side, you're surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded, have common goals and are making the lifestyle choices that you want to update or upload into your own life. Yeah. I, you know, that the community aspect where, I mean, we're, we're biologically, we're social creatures. So, uh, I think maybe my, my change in owning a group fitness gym to, uh, really believing in individual design, uh, could be a little misconstrued, especially by some of the folks that maybe were gym members of mine for many years, which I, I love them. I just, um, as I sort of transitioned to individual design on the fitness side of my uh, practice, aside from the soft tissue work is that I, uh, you know, I know that um, that people need to be around other people. So there, to me, individual design, especially for people that need to be around people, you can be doing your own thing in a group of people, in a community. So you, if you need to have more leg strength, you could be doing squats and riding the assault bike, you know, and, and working on your leg strength, you know, or pulling sleds and, and whatever the heck else you do for leg strength while the person next to you in this community is working on their pulling strength or their mobility in their shoulders. And you could still have that community feeling. Um, so I, I like the idea of, of, of training together or exercising together. Me, on the other hand, I don't know if you're the same way. I like to work out alone. Oh, well, I'm just so used to it yeah. for so many years I had to. Yeah. And I, I personally like, like this is, I want to hear I, it. I used to, so I used to joke with the members about this because whenever people would complain about music, I'd be like, uh, when I, so when I was training weightlifting and even now I try to do at least one workout a week in silence and people would be like, you're nuts. But like, for me, like it was in part the enjoyment of like having to fight the mental battles without the distraction. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's easy to go through a hard workout when you have your favorite song on. It's hard when you hear your heart racing. It's hard when you hear yourself breathing. It's hard when you hear the echoes of everything that you're doing. And oh, by the way, like in some of those cases, like there would be nobody in the gym, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's meditative. I mean, it, it is. It, you, yeah. You get in this weird flow state. Some, and it, sometimes you can't pick it when it happens either. It just sort of happens and, and you, you realize you haven't turned the radio on. You're just doing it. Um, maybe here's my question for you is that, so you don't have to, this is one of my big pet peeves and maybe is you don't need to be motivated by people. Do you? No. You mean in terms of like my fitness fitness? Yeah. No. Well, again, like just if going back to what I was saying about how like my favorite thing about everything I'm doing right now is the fact that I have the capacity to train on a regular basis. Like I love the moments of training. I don't like, I'm not in this at the moment for the results necessarily, or at least the immediate results that I get from training. For me, it's the love of being in the middle of it. Like I like writing a workout 
and expecting like, okay, this is going to be an RPE nine. This is going to be really tough. And then like fighting through that. Right. And like paying attention internally to like how this is making me feel, because then I usually flip those around and make the members do them and they hate me for it. But, (laughs) But it's like, I test a lot of the things that I make them do. And it's like, I love to determine my predictive power over like, how can I, can I write a workout, you know, on a prescriptive basis that actually matches the energy systems with the sensations appropriate to them? Right. But you don't need anybody to sort of like, uh, give you the energy to do that. You don't need to like to turn the radio up. You don't need to be doing it next to a dozen people. It's, I wish, man, if I had a magic wand, it would be it's it's tough because people are I, I need to be motivated by a group of people i need to have i need to be motivated by whatever whatever the the reason is i like the idea of being inspired instead of motivated uh, there has to be a connection to why you're doing it as you're doing it that makes you do it and um and if that connection is with uh, some extrinsic thing something else out there that's making you do this because um at least long term short term maybe it's a way to get started I think at the end of the day, you're disconnected from physical fitness and activity because you're relying on a bunch of other people all the time. Not, a, not I get it. It's, it's important sometimes, but to call you, you're going to show up today. You're going to do. So I think long term to create autonomy within the individual and uh, is to be able to be inspired for some internal reason. And it can be any reason that makes you excited to go move that day. And, uh, and that's a hard thing. I, and I don't know if you deal with a lot of people that are just, I'm just not motivated. I'm just not motivated. And, and, uh, it's, it's the hard, I have people that I love and care about that are very close to me that aren't motivated. And I wish they were, and I could figure out a way to inspire them where they don't never need motivation again. You will never, Derek, you will never not exercise in your life. All right. For the rest of your life, excuse me. Uh, neither, I will always do some sort of daily movement. I just, I just, I'm inspired to do it. How do we teach that to other folks that are just, and they will, it might be any excuse to get out of it for the day, you know? Yeah, what do you, you think? Know, so I'm going to play, de- so I agree with you. Right. I'm going to play a little devil's advocate only because I have thought about this a little bit differently recently from some learnings that I've picked up from other people, which is I am really careful to, I'm really careful to kind of like associate somebody's inability to do what we were talking about, like working out on their own as like some sort of like, form of laziness or unwillingness to like work on themselves or any of that. Because I I do feel like to some degree you, we experience a lot of people that come from backgrounds where they have all the work ethic in the world where let's say they're like, they're a lawyer and they work 60 to 70 hours a week and they dedicate themselves to that pursuit. They've proven their work ethic. I do think that sometimes it does boil down to some people just genuinely love fitness more than others. Okay. Um, And it's, and, it doesn't mean that it's not worth trying to edge that person into that lifestyle. It just means that it might take, it might be a more concerted effort. It might take them longer. It might be harder for them than another individual. Um, like I one of the things Alex Hermosi said, which I absolutely loved was he was like, you know, everyone believes that gym owners are just like hard workers all around, uh, because they happen to love fitness. And he's like, but if you tell them to make a hundred sales calls a day, they won't do it. Right. You know? So I think there is an element to this, which is just that some people have a natural kind of gravitation and affinity for exercise and fitness. And I, listen, I cannot tell you how lucky I feel that I happen to be in that boat. Yeah, me too, man. I, I, I'm so blessed to be that way. Cause it's, it's a struggle for some people. And by no means do I mean people are lazy. I just, how do you connect with them to get them to get away from just needing this this sort of this fleeting motivation that maybe happens on a Sunday night 
how do you get them inspired all week, all year? And uh, because they could be hardworking people, lawyers, doctors, nurses, teachers, they they could be pulling these long hours and they just don't have it. I think if you if you flip it to their priorities and you go, well, what are your biggest priorities? Maybe maybe money doesn't become as important anymore, picking up an extra shift. And it's like, man, and sleep becomes more important and exercise does. And maybe you sort of slowly strengthen their belief in that. And we're, and it's really hard because we don't talk about fitness and wellness and, and mobility and muscle mass and, and, and cognition later in life like we do about earning a good li- – being rich and sure. having and having things in this life. And, and I think it's so ass backwards, man, if you really ask me that that's – all the talk. I mean, it can be some of the talk, but dude, we don't talk about fitness at all as a nation. You know, it's really, it's just this group of uh, influencers that talk about it. There's not, you don't watch CNN or Fox News and are talking about the latest workout trend or, or whatever. They're not even talking, they're, they're just, they're pitting, you know, carnivore against veganism. And then, you know, it's just, I, I don't think we, we discuss health and wellness enough. And it's almost like this thing that just, these tryhards do over here, like me and you. It's just your fitness could be walking every day. It doesn't have to be weightlifting. It could be yoga. It could be bike riding or surfing or mountain climbing or heck, I don't Zumba. But how do we find that for you? Well, you know? I think in part we can we can start being better as coaches and learning to speak the language of the person that we're working with. I love it. Um, you know, so if you have somebody that's coming to you and speaking to you about their the importance of their career or their business or their job. And like how they pour every you know every bit of themselves into it, but they're sleeping four hours a night. It's right. like okay, well how how efficient and effective do you believe you are being, considering the fact you're getting half the amount of sleep that you should be getting? And I think that the more that we can start talking their language, rather than trying to convince them that our lifestyle is the one that is the one worth following, mm-hmm. we can start making actual change in their lives, even though that, that it'll look entirely different from our own. So I hundred, I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think people, if you, if you step out of fitness for long enough, you, it almost becomes non-existent to you in terms of like your understanding of its benefits. So it's, it's easy. It's, it becomes easier nowadays. Like it's just too convenient to be convenient oriented, right? right? It's like you start, you, you start losing the, the, in, being in touch with the benefits that that it's that serves for you, you know, and whether that be your energy levels, your mood and happiness. Like one thing, I, I think I posted this a couple of days ago. I said, you you cannot reach your peak level or peak potential of happiness if you are physically unwell. And I firmly believe that your your mind is is tied to your body, and that's and, and your soul. So there is you 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 couldn't be more right. I mean, if you feel good now. Imagine if you tried moving your body and exercising. That's how much better you could feel. And I don't think people even understand how badly they may feel sometimes. And they think, I'm feeling pretty good today. And they're like, they're on a 5 out of 10 maybe. And if they, if you help them sort of do this one extra thing and that improve this, they're on a 6 or a 7 or an 8. And it, it's a really complicated topic, Derek. And, um, and I'm, I'm really passionate about it because I've lived in this space for so long. Yeah. Personally, too, by the way, you know, with ups and downs myself physically and, and, and emotionally and socially. And, you know, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's tough to sort of navigate this. Um, but I think the fact that I have been there allows me to sort of um, 
be really practical and relatable to the people that I do come in, in touch with. And, and I know we're talking a lot about fitness today, and I know my main job is soft tissue work, but, uh, <laughs> but these are talks that I really have. These are the most impactful talks that I have as I'm treating people. I ask them like what their daily practices are. And it's not just about, hey, do this exercise for your rotator cuff. It's like we talk about how they balance their lives. And uh, let me do this release on this muscle. And then I'm like, well, you know, how was your sleep? How, how's your, you know, how's your wife doing? You know what I mean? And, and if you're like, ah, oh, man, you know, we're just working different shifts and, you know, and, and well, I'm taking the kids. I'm like, oh, so your sleep's not good. So we get into this. And, um, and I, I really think that's where the real change in my, in my clinical practices is through the, the lifestyle uh, modifications or additions or subtractions of things. And that's really where, aside from, you know, I'm doing, you know, I'm, I always tell people I'm not fixing you. I'm helping you fix yourself with my hands. So yeah, and, well, and, and I think it does in, in this you know regard. It does take a village, you know. And I'm always really happy to hear when other professionals that are maybe slightly adjacent to the fitness industry are also spreading these positive messages to the people that they're working with because you know this is what going to be what it, what it takes to be the, the final nudge over the ledge for some people to be like, I have to start taking my health seriously. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice. Like, and I try to, you know, be in touch with the chiropractors and physical therapists and athletic trainers in the area, because I think the more that we can kind of make these messages consistent with one another, mm -hmm. the more change that we're going to invoke in the general public, which is really, I mean, the meat and potatoes for all of us in terms of like why we're here and what we're doing this for. I think the athlete represents such a small fraction um, mm -hmm. of the, the our, our population and ultimately our influence on on the general public public is just far greater than anything we're ever going to accomplish with an athlete. Uh, well, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's why, I mean, I worked, um, it's funny. I work with the uh, Delaware Thunder hockey, the pro hockey team down in Harrington. I was their ART provider last nice. season. And, uh, and you know, and they're a minor league hockey team and, uh, they're just a different breed out there, <laughs> man. They fight like they have more fights in this, uh, in, in the, it's called the bus league than they do like in the NHL, like probably probably three to one. It's just awesome. And you're meeting these guys in the, the locker room and they're, you know, and they're the nicest guys. And, you know, like uh, 24 hours ago, they were just, they were pounding, you know, <laughs> and, they're, and they're huge. They're like your size, man. It's crazy. With skates on, they're like nine feet tall. But anyhow, but they're, they're, um, they're a different breed. They're getting paid to do their, you know, to do this. They're, 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 I, th I think some of the problem is too, is that, um, is that normal people think they have to train like an athlete and athletes sacrifice a lot of things for podiums and prizes, right? So, uh, and they know that going in. And, I, and unfortunately, sometimes general population thinks that I have to sort of train like an athlete in order to get all these results. And you really don't. It's not as hard as you think it is to get started. And, um, I mean, so, you know, as an athlete, it's uh, – it's, it, it's, uh, to me, it's just a uh, – it's, it's, a, it's a hard disconnect uh, for, you know, for, for, for normal folks. And you don't have to be – uh, you know, LeBron James to be in great shape, you know, you know, and yeah. I think, I think we can really dif differentiate the difference between training to be an athlete or training to be athletic. You know, th yeah. those, those are two different things. And I think everyone should train to be athletic because all athleticism is, is it's a demonstration that you have possessed uh, a higher ability to use your body in the way it's meant to be used. Right. Like, yeah. So, and what that looks like for every person is going to be relative. You know, for a grandmom, it could be, 
I can go up and down steps without using a railing, mm-hmm. right? What does that demonstrate? It demonstrates balance, the ability to decelerate, right? The ability to accelerate, the ability to have good proprioception in the feet, right? And there's like, there's so many elements that are just like demonstrated just by the ability of this 70 year old woman to go up and down steps with, with full confidence without the feeling of like, oh, is my knee pain going to come back or am I going to fall? Or like, do I need the handle because I'm worried that my balance is going to give out? And it's like, so this can look different for everybody, but like, I still put it into the bucket of athleticism, mm-hmm. which is there they're not training for this like very hyper-focused pursuit of trying to jump right. 43 inches in the air. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome to tell your grandma to jump 43 inches? Oh my God. I'd be like, I'm a grandma. We're going to the Olympics. <laughs> no, That's it's, funny. it's cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you're right. And some of the simplest things can be effective. One of the things that I, I give, uh, I tell a lot of my patients who are dealing with any sort of issue is I ask them how much time they're spending on the floor. And uh, they're like, well, what should I do? What's the, what's the secret trick I should do to help my back out? I go, well, how, how long, you know, can you sit on the floor for 10 minutes a day? And they're like, well, do what? I go, any position. Change positions. Lay on your side. And what happens is they start to actually, uh, you know, release some muscles that they're, they're not used to releasing when they're sitting in a chair or standing up. And, they're, and their back starts to loosen up, their hips especially, their shoulders even, because they're planting an arm behind them. So these are simple things. But um, – uh, just, uh, you know, to that point, like I, I think athletics and, uh, being an athlete and being athletic is a great differentiation. I think, uh, some people come in and they treat their training like, like two a days and things like that. Like, like they are athletes, although their uh, goals don't uh, mirror that. And it's, uh, that's a conversation that a lot of good coaches will have with them. And I'm sure you do. So. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I actually wanted to jam with you on was, um, the, so basically one of the ways I can tell what the, the, the one of the ways that I can tell like the the how people think about certain subjects is the language that they use when they ask us questions. And one of the things that always happens is someone will be like, "Hey, like, do you have any lower back stretches? Like, my back's been bothering me. Do you have any knee stretches? My knee's been bothering me." And what I've found is like there's like a deeper conversation that needs to be had around the relationship between like stretching and activation. And I think you're the right person to kind of talk a little bit about this nuance here of how, you know, static stretching is good and great, but ultimately like we need to promote activity, right. And tension at that range in order to be able to promote optimal tissue health. Can you speak to that? a little? Yeah, bit? absolutely. I think that's a, a great differentiation to make because, um, it's funny because I have some uh, some people that, uh, that that come to me that do that are uh, very active, like in a yoga practice, for instance. So, um, and they may lack uh, they have, may have great flexibility or mobility, however you want to call it, uh, but they may lack some stability in certain positions. So, where they're still experiencing some pain. So, sometimes um, just teaching them how to load a joint at end range or through a greater functional range. So, would be uh, you know something like you know. Like cars, for instance, uh, controlled articular rotations of, say, like the, you know, like the shoulder joint where you're going through a full range, you're spinning the arm around or the hip, uh, is a little bit more effective long term, uh, and 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 quicker, by the way, than say just laying on the floor doing a pigeon stretch for most people. And I don't want to make general generalizations here because everyone's an individual, but you know, just to, for the sake of this uh, this podcast, but. Um, I am big on, uh, on on loading in different ranges for sure. Stretching's okay, but uh, you know I know like for instance like uh, Ben Patrick knees over toes guy. He's he's been super um, 
uh, popular the last year or so. Uh, you know, he's doing these crazy ATG split squats, and he's, his, his hamstrings touching his calf. His knees are going way past his toes. But he's also loading at end range. I don't know what dosage is, is appropriate. Everyone's a little bit different. He just seems like he's doing some crazy stuff. But I can at least appreciate he's thinking outside the box. Um, I really have been diving a little bit more into uh, um, like uh, functional patterns. Have you? Have I you, have seen some. Yeah. Of um, and they're behind a paywall right now. This is the big thing between uh, Nadia Aguilar, the guy that runs the, uh, the the program. But but what they're doing with some of the um, some of their their uh, their case studies with some of the scoliosis that people um, are, uh, are are you know are dealing with in their spine, and uh, they've dealing with some people with CP, and they're actually improving uh, their their ability to. Um, to like walk and run even and uh and and not twist when they're um when they're just doing basic you know bending over maneuvers uh so and the thought behind that is that we're not really stretching muscles at all we're just loading them in a pattern that allows the if you think of your body like a giant tent right if your tent poles are all screwed up there's going to be slack in one side of the tent and then there's going to be too much tension in another side. If you can get sort of the tension of the tent and the tent poles aligned, the entire tent works, right? right. If, so, so your body has this um, has this sort of system of fascia and muscles that, like, uh, like you know, your your left hip can affect your right shoulder. And if you uh, read like Thomas Meyer's uh, book, Anatomy Trains, uh, he talks about a. a um, a, a, a term called tensegrity, which is basically, you know, the tent pole idea is that you have different lines of fascia in your body. So uh, when I used to do some like uh, mobility workshops, when I had the gym, we would do this thing. And you've probably done this before too, where you have people try to touch their toes. And, uh, and then as I'm talking to them, I have them roll the bottom of their foot out with like a tennis ball. And then we have them try to touch their toes again and they're all the way to the floor and they're like yep. well how'd that happen you're like because there's a fascial line from the bottom of your feet to all the way up your back and to your to your eyebrows as a matter of fact so we released one portion of that so um so there there's a lot of complexities but i once again i think giving somebody a practical and relatable exercise that they that they can do 10 times a day and become like a ninja at that thing would be awesome. And then I give them a second one. And, uh, you know, I'm not super huge on stretching for the, the idea of like lengthening muscles, but it's really good for um, uh, parasympathetic, parasympathetic, like down regulation of your ner- nervous system. So I like that a lot to sort of cool down or to sort of chill out a little bit. Um, and sort of end a workout, or that may be my workout for the day, you know, followed by uh, like a cold plunge, for instance. So I don't know, those are, those are great questions, but it's, it's individualized. And there's a lot of new research coming out about that now. There is. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the ways I try to think about this is that our body has both from a dietary, but also a fitness side of things, like it has a lot of compensatory mechanisms where if you, let's say you're missing, you know, 15 degrees of shoulder flexion, it's like, well, if those muscles aren't able to access that range, others will kick on another to try to in order to try to get you there, right? No and this and this is where we're asking muscles to perform functions that they're not designed biomechanically to perform, right? And I think when we speak of things like overuse injuries, one of the the kind of uh, pieces or details to that equation is is this muscle being overtaxed because it's asked to perform functions that it wasn't designed to perform. 
and I'm sure you see this to some degree in your practice. 100%. Can I, can I speak to that first? Yeah. I, I, so from my uh, like exercise enthusiast, weightlifting community, I see a lot of uh, spinal accessory nerve entrapments and injuries because from overhead pressing, strict pressing mostly, um, where they lack, say, 15 degrees of shoulder flexion and they can't get – their arms back so they sort of duck their head through and they sort of chicken neck under the bar and they're and they're getting these tweaks to like their like their rhomboids and their middle trapezius and then it may not be much and they might sleep with two pillows and their chin is pulled to their chest you know every night and it's that one thing that you know the straw that breaks the camel's back because that scar tissue has built up around that nerve for instance and um so active release is really uh, is really uh, effective in removing that tissue or that, that adhesion that will allow that nerve to slide through and uh, the layers of tissue that are on your back. You have six layers of muscles on your back. So um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, restrictions that can happen there. So I see that one a lot is uh, is you know, where you kind of hurts to turn your head to the one side and you know and bring your chin to your chest and and usually I can get that you know cleared out in like one or two sessions. So but again, if that person then goes back to doing overhead work and performing the same pattern, right? Like even though you yeah. open them up, it might feel better for a week or two. But if they didn't address why they have 15 degrees of uh, limited shoulder <laughs> yeah shoulder range limitation, so inflection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But and then you know, then, then you go back to like, hey, hire a good coach. You know what I mean? That can stop watching the video on on TikTok on this guy did this workout. Hire a coach, a professional like yourself, and be like, hey, does this look right? You know what I mean? Yeah. If you've been arching your back to get the bar overhead, eh, well, and to your point, there's also you know, there's also the opportunity cost of what is that even a, a movement you should be performing right now? Even a better question, by the way. Yeah, how does that how does that satisfy your highest priorities, your goals? Yeah, you're like, yeah. yeah, and but it's tough. I think you were showing me your level method that you have out there, which is great because I think a lot of people just want to fit in in a class setting, for instance. Yeah. So if everyone's using the bar, but you're like yeah, level method orange, it's it's dumbbells or it's single arm dumbbell seated. You know what I mean? And you're like, ah oh, man, but John over here is doing the barbell overhead. He's got like a lot of weight. John's been here for five years, and he's all the way. You know, so I'd like actually I like that level method is is money. I think that's a great. It, there's six different levels. If you guys haven't checked out. Uh, Derek's level method. It's um, you know coming from a former gym owner. This would have saved me a lot of a lot of work. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's actually helped, um, ironically, is that our coaching, our body of coaches, has also gotten older. So the members are starting to see the coaches being comfortable with switching things out uh, from a modality point. perspective. So it's become more normalized. You know, it's not just this like land of the RX where it's like you know you're if you're not doing the RX version, then you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> It's, and it's been more of a kind of a holistic approach of, okay, well, what's the best thing that's going to serve me today? You know, right? I think that's so. Remember, when there used to be like coaches' workouts. Like everyone, it, all the coaches would work out Saturday morning before the class came, and everyone would come in and ooh and ah, and they're so yeah. they're so fit and strong. It's silly. It's great to see people entering their thirties and forties and, and going. You know what? Today I'm just going to ride the bike and do some, you know, and, and do some mobility afterwards. So, and uh, I think that that really uh, is a is a great um, uh, it's a great thing for the members to see. I think you know they're like, man, they're not just you know riding hard and putting away wet every day. That's 
oh, they're taking it easy. Maybe I should too, or, or do the right type of movement that's appropriate for my body. So absolutely. Well, Mike, this has been a blast. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it, man. I, I I love jamming on. So I know I got to have some opinions, but uh, dude, hey, yeah. where that's I'm all about it. Like I love I love having these conversations because I take something out of it every single time. Like I I always joke with my wife that like a huge reason why I'm doing this is actually selfish because like I learn so much from these conversations. So. Um, this has been a blast and I, I can all, you know, I can guarantee we're going to end up doing this again. Hopefully next time we'll, we'll have better <laughs> communication to figure out who's going <laughs> where. We'll be like a, at a Wawa in Smyrna. We can do it there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the beauty of having the, the remote setup, man. So Dude, it was awesome. Um, I, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, and you know, if you guys haven't checked out, uh, Harbat athletics and you can do a couple up here in uh, Newark, Delaware and check it out. I know, but, appreciate you. Well, t- tell everyone where they can learn more about what you do. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you could visit uh, mgactivetherapy.com. Uh, I'm in, uh, I have a, a small clinic in uh, Dover, Delaware. And, uh, you know, you could always hit me on the socials, uh, Mike Georgios, LMT, and Active Therapy, and you guys can find it. So it'll be in the show notes, right? Is that, is that a story? Oh, it'll yeah. definitely be in the yeah. show notes. And, yeah, I'd love to jam this. Send me a message. We can just talk. So Awesome. Mike, thanks so much. Thank you again for jumping on the podcast today. I just want to take a quick second to remind you that we post a lot of free and helpful content on our social media pages. You can find us at Hardbat Athletics on Instagram and Facebook and visit our website at www.hardbatathletics.com to learn more about what we do at our facility. Let's keep raising the standard together.